0: <laughs> um nice to be here this morning on this beautiful day i always love the rain but uh it is yeah beautiful day uh i'll take it i like the 60 degree weather as opposed to the 20 degree and snow i would much rather have the rain um i hope you guys had a merry christmas and now you're looking forward to a great new year and uh i'm excited uh, keith is out this week visiting family and i'm excited to be able to to be up here with you guys um before we begin let's pray Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessings, thank you for your word, Um, and thank you for uh, the reminders you give us every day that that you love us. And I just pray that we can uh, see those reminders. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, today I do not have slides, so we're going to have to go old school. If you have a a Bible, (laughs) uh, you can open that up. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5 today, and we're going to be skipping through a little bit. If you, if you have your electronic device on your phone, that's fine as well. We do have a North Bullet Christian Church guest Wi-Fi, and the password is welcome exclamation point with a capital W. Welcome exclamation point with a capital W if that helps, you, uh, helps your internet service here. Um. I will be talking about Peter today, so uh, if you take notes, I did put a little bit of notes in the back of the bulletin, and there there should be a spot to do that, and um, I will give you a second to get to Luke 5, but I'm going to jump in, uh, we'll talk more about Happy New Year and Merry Christmas as we go through and, and all that fun stuff, I, I bet you all had fun, and if you're like me, you're glad it's over, I don't know if I'm the only ball humbug here, but um, I, I like Jesus... My favorite part of Christmas is knowing Jesus came to the world for me. You know, not necessarily the, uh, the born in a manger and all that is great. But uh, Jesus came for a much greater purpose than just being born in a manger. So anyway, I digress. Uh, Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 1. We will jump right in. Uh, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret... The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Um, Today's message is going to be about Peter. I cannot touch all of Peter's life, but I just wanted to focus on three little spots And they're on the back of the bulletin, I believe, and and basically his call, his fall, and then Jesus coming back after him, or the provision for Peter. And I want to focus on these three stories, of course, starting with the call of Peter. Here, uh, there's a couple things I want you to notice. And uh, number one, they are at the Lake of Gennesaret. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm ballparking it best I can with confidence to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. But that is also the Sea of Galilee. So the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Gennesaret, those are the same thing. Uh, it's a fun fact that might be on a quiz later, but uh, just keep that in mind. Gennesaret, Sea of Galilee. Uh, number two, he seeked out and went into Simon Peter's boat. I'm saying Simon Peter. Because right here, his name is Simon, and they call him Simon. But this is also the same Peter that goes through the New Testament, and that is uh, the topic of my conversation. He went into Peter's boat. Um, Meaning he could have, you know, there were two boats there, but he purposely got into Peter's boat, my opinion. Another side note, keep that in mind. Um, And, so let's go forward. How did it play out? When Jesus had finished speaking... He said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And so, the scene is, this is not the first time Peter had met Jesus. So this is where Jesus calls Peter. Jesus had already healed Peter's mom in a couple verses earlier in Luke chapter 4 of a fever and also had met them. They both, uh, Jesus' ministry was right around Galilee and uh, that is where Peter was from. So Peter knew him, so that's why Peter says master. And then, uh, I don't know how awesome or excellent of a fisherman Simon Peter was, but that was his profession. He made his living off of fishing, but this particular day he hadn't caught any fish and it's also day now. The best time to fish was at nighttime, and so Peter's like, "Oh man, we haven't. We worked hard all night long. We've already cleaned our nets up, and you want us to, uh, you know, you want us to drop for uh, one more fish on, you know, the side of the boat." And um, Peter's kind of disagreeing, like, "Oh man, I don't really want to, but okay, because you say so, I will do that." And he listened. Peter listened to Jesus even though it didn't make sense. So what happens? When they had done so, verse 6, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Wow. So you have this story here. All night long they fished on their own. They tried to do it their way or or whatnot. And for whatever reason, they didn't catch a fish all night. They had already cleaned their nets. They didn't really want to put their nets back out. But because Jesus told them to. And then what happens? Of course, they're blessed so much. Now... Is it odd that they caught such a huge number of fish? You know, um, meaning these guys were fishermen and they fished all the time. And that was their profession. So they caught such a large number of fish, they knew something miraculous happened. The reason we know that, why are you saying that, Daryl? Because when Simon Peter saw this, what was this? That was the large catch of fish. Uh, When he saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. I am a sinful man. He recognized that this was a miraculous catch of fish and that he was among the presence of someone much greater than him and he felt unworthy to be in Jesus' presence here. He fell on his knees, um, which is a sign of, you know, complete respect or sovereignty or however you want to say it. He knew that he was in the presence of someone way above him. And he didn't even understand it. This is still early in Jesus' ministry. This is before, you know, raising people from the dead and all that. He's seen a few miracles. But this is cool because Simon Peter sees very early in his walk with Jesus how awesome he is. And he notices how sinful he himself is. Um, and notice... Uh, Verse 10, and so were James and John, James and John. That is also something that that picks up more so in the later end of the story, but I just want you to notice these are the sons of Zebedee. These are also two of the disciples, and they were all astonished at uh, this catch. And then Jesus says to Simon, kind of brings it home uh, in the second part of verse 10 and verse 11, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. Um, They left everything. Seems like, uh, I like stories like this. When when people have nothing else. When they put everything in their past life behind and move toward Jesus. To me, that is awesome. That is a sign of complete and utter, you know, I'm I'm all in, Lord. I'm all in. And they left everything and followed him. Uh, Jesus... Notice he says, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why did he say that? Because Peter had just said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And what's Jesus' response? Don't be afraid. I know you're a sinful man, Peter. I know. He he doesn't say all this, but that's the concept here. When Peter says, Go away from me, I'm a sinful man, and and the Lord says, uh, Don't be afraid. He accepted Peter just like he was. Does that make sense? He didn't say, Peter, I know you're a sinful man. I'm going to give you a year to go get cleaned up and then follow me. He said, no, man, you're my guy. I want you just like you are. That dirty fisherman that probably stinks, been out fishing all night, uh... We learn later and see in the the many stories of Peter in the gospel, he's rough around every single edge. I think uh, Keith said last week he loved Peter and he reminded him of him. Peter's an awesome guy. He's a man's man and, and, and he did things not the church way. And he realized he was a sinner, but Jesus said, Do not be afraid. Follow me. He wanted him. Just like he is. Just where he was. Just like he was. And that is the calling of Peter. Also here... Um, it, James and John I mentioned them earlier they are also following Jesus when they, when they left the boats they were the, you know James and John were his partners so uh, we have a little group here starting to form and the great stories throughout the Bible with the disciples and Jesus are awesome and Peter goes everywhere from walking on water to seeing resurrections to seeing the transfiguration and the many things Peter and the Lord do together I can't even get into all that but I wanted to set the background and start with the calling of Peter. Because I think it's so important to the end of his life. Now, let's skip ahead. Luke chapter 22. <clears throat> and we're going to start around verse 31. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. So... Now, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, and he's coming near the end of his life. He's already told the disciples, I am going to be, I'm going to die. They're going to, I'm going to be handed over to the leaders, and they are going to kill me. The disciples didn't quite get what he was saying, and they are in the upper room here. They just uh, took the communion for the first time, and and the Lord said in uh, verse 20, this is the cup of my new covenant. In my blood, and which is poured out for you. And, and they just went through the first communion. Judas just left the table quickly to go betray the Lord. And I'm just letting you know where we are. And Jesus says to Peter, in verse 31, I love this. I've, I've talked on it before, so I'll try not to talk on it too much. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, uh, sift all of you as wheat. So Satan has asked to sift all of the disciples as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon. That your faith may not fall. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So, we have Jesus telling Peter before it happens, look. You know, we know the story. We know that when Jesus was taken to the cross, the, the disciples scatter. We, we get it. They didn't realize that Jesus was going to sacrifice his life for them. So, they didn't see what was coming. And, but, Peter understands what Jesus is saying. Peter goes, wait a minute. Um... When, when Jesus says that your faith may not fall, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers, Peter's saying, wait a minute, my faith isn't going to fall. I don't care what Satan does. You're, you, he's not going to get to me. And read Peter's response in verse 33. But Peter replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. To prison and to death. Um, he had a lot of boldness here. A lot of pride. I, I'll do whatever you do, Jesus. I'm not scared. He was quick to speak. Anytime you, you read stories or there's something where Jesus, Peter would, would chirp up quick and, and he was very prideful and, and he, thought he, he, he thought he was bigger than he was. He is very prideful. Notice what he said. I, will, I am willing to go. I'm ready to go with you to what? Prison and death. Correct prison and death Peter I'm ready I'll I'll go to the you know I'll sacrifice my life for you I'll go to prison with you whatever you do I'll do I'm not scared 34 Jesus answers I tell you Peter before the rooster crows today you will deny me whoops you will deny me three times or you will deny that you know me three times man I'm butchering it I tell you Peter before the rooster crows today you will deny me you will deny three times that you know me wow Um, so, what is interesting about this? This is, there's there's several things that are mentioned in all four Gospels. Does that make sense? You have three, what's called synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There are a lot of things in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that parallel, go together. And you'll see several stories in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that are in all three of those. Now all four Gospels, you throw in the book of John, there's not a ton of things that correspond to all four books. Some of the thought process is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke were in circulation and then John was written after the fact, and John is one of the sons of Zebedee. So John's book is written later to add in some things. Hey, these guys missed some stuff. There's some more great stories about Jesus you need to hear. This story of Jesus denying, or Peter denying Jesus is in all four Gospels. Why is that important? It's because it's important. If it weren't in, you know, when it's in all four Gospels, and that's not to say any story that's in one Gospel is not important. Um, the Good Samaritan, the uh, Prodigal Son, those are only in the Gospel of Luke, in my opinion, wonderful stories. Um, but this is in all four Gospels, and this is a pillar of Peter's life. This thing happening here happened to Peter for a reason, and it was his future testimony. And this is noted, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. This is noted in all four Gospels. I just want to point that out. Um, Also wanted to point out the pride of Peter and that what he said, he would go to all three. So let's see how you think it plays out. Exactly like Jesus said it would play out. That was a a trick question. Don't answer that wrong. Oh, Megan, you're paying attention. All right, so now, let's fast forward. Same chapter, verse 54. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Then, seizing him, here is Jesus, they led Jesus and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. Bless you. A servant girl saw him seated there uh, in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with Jesus. But Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. Woman, I don't know him. So a servant girl comes to him. Uh, seems like this was preached here not too long ago, so, uh, but the point is, it's a, it's a girl, it's a little girl, or or we don't know how old she is, she can't be too little, but it was a serving girl, she could have been little, um, but my point is, why deny the Lord? Why is Peter denying Jesus here? He is sitting at a campfire, and, uh, let's see, they kindled a fire, da-da-da-da-da, in some of them it says he's sitting with some of the soldiers and different ones, um, But he's scared. What is he scared of? He's scared to go to prison or be killed. Yeah, he's scared to be killed or go to prison. What is Jesus right now? He's on trial. What happens when you get on trial and you lose? Usually you go to jail. Sometimes you get killed, right? Tracking? Anybody tracking? What did Peter say in verse 33? Remember that? "Ah, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison... And death. What is Peter scared of here? Prison or death. Isn't that an awkward? Isn't that a, a neat uh, point there? That, that's what he's scared of. And I want to point that out. He denies him once. So, so far he's denied him once. Another fun fact. He's, it's cold. It's at nighttime, And he's sitting around a campfire with some other people. And that's where this conversation takes place. In front of a campfire with people he doesn't know very well. And he's denying the Lord. He denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. Um, he's warming himself. So now let's go forward. Verse 58. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You are one of them. And Peter replies, Man, I am not! With an exclamation point. Whenever you see an exclamation I don't get real loud when I talk. I wish I had a little more animation Would throw something. But he said it with an exclamation point. I hope you get the point. He's fired. I'm not. I am not him. This is the second time someone asked him. I'm not one of them. You hear. I've heard a lot of stories on. Well the Jesus that Peter knew wasn't. No. Peter was scared for his life. And he did not want to be associated with Jesus. Um, and it, it continues. Verse 60. Uh, or uh, verse 59. About an hour Later. Another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean, or Galilean, Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And Peter went outside and wept. Bitterly. Wept bitterly. So. Peter denies him the third time. In some of the other gospels right here. It says this third one. He got a little more angry. It wasn't just an exclamation point. He may have even thrown in some choice words. That Hebrew can't translate. But... Um, he, he was fired up. He swore. He said, I am not one of them. Denying the third time. The Lord looked straight at Peter. I really think on this verse, your opinion of the Lord will gauge what that look looked like. What that look looked like. Was it, what do you mean, Daryl? Was the look in judgment, like Peter, how could you, an um, anger look? Was he saying, Peter, I told you you would do this, why would you still do it? But there's a second thought, that it was a forgiving look. It was a look of Peter, I knew you would do that. And that's okay. Jesus, either which way, is getting tortured, getting falsely accused, and getting ready to go to the cross to be murdered... And Peter can't even so much as say a word to defend him and or help him and or even acknowledge that he knows him. So he is completely completely letting Jesus down at this point. And he wept bitterly, wept bitterly. On the other point, I think that Jesus looked at him with forgiveness. I think Jesus looked at him with compassion, Peter. I knew this was coming. This isn't a surprise to me. I told you it was going to happen before it happened. There's a big difference here too. And and this is a whole other story, a whole other parallel. Kind of a a squirrel or whatever you all say. But um, he also, when you compare Peter and Judas, Judas did it with no remorse. When Peter denied the Lord, he felt horrible. He broke down and cried. And I think we can learn a lot from this. Um, This is where... And, you know, this, this reminds me of the prodigal son. I've talked on that before. When the prodigal son hit the bottom, when he was in the pig's pen, eating, thinking, man, I wish I had something to eat. My father would, you know, takes care of his servants better than I'm getting taken care of. And I'm a worker. He came to his senses. Peter dropped to his knees and he, and he went outside and he wept bitterly. And the question, like, where does, where does this meet with us? Where does this hit us? Where, where am I in this story? I I think, and I heard a preacher say it, and I looked for it and looked for it, so I wouldn't butcher it, but I'm going to butcher it, and I couldn't find it. Um, Do you weep over your sins? Is that an interesting statement? Peter wept bitterly. Do you, at the end of the day, you're laying in bed, and you're thinking about your day, you're praying and thanking God for another day. Do you weep bitterly? Do you cry, Lord... Forgive me. I, I messed up today. I know tomorrow's coming. I can do better tomorrow. Do you weep bitterly over your sins? Think about that. That is your New Year's resolution. How about... I don't know. I, I don't do a lot of New Year's resolutions because I stink at them. But um, weeping bitterly, being cognizant, thinking about, hey, where did I fail today? What could I have done better for you today, Lord? Where, where have I come short and if it's something you want out of your life, and, and what the preacher I heard said was, he hears a lot of people when he does counseling say, I really want to get rid of this. I really want to get rid of this. But do they fall on their pillow at night and just weep to God about, man, why did I do that today? Why am I still in this section? Why, why am I here? Do you weep bitterly over your sins? One thing here when Jesus looks at him too, is all the pride Peter had. Remember, Peter, I'll go with you to death and to prison, to prison and to death. I love you, Lord. I'll do whatever, you know, whatever you do. Peter realizes he's not the man he thought he was. He's not the man he thought he was. And sometimes, and, and we're not the man, you know, me and you are going to mess up. We're not going to be the man. And when I say man, I don't, I don't mean men only, of course. Uh, You know man or woman He's he's not the man or woman he thought he was And he let the Lord down The funny thing about letting the Lord down Is you're not holding him up And Peter wasn't holding him up either Peter's not holding the Lord up But he feels like he let him down He's weeping bitterly And um, this is where Peter fell This is the fall of Peter He realized he couldn't do what he thought he could do He's not the man he thought he was What do you think? Uh, So, then Jesus goes to the cross. He dies. And then three days later, like he said he would, he rose from the grave. He saw the disciples a couple times already, once without Thomas the doubter. And this is in uh, John chapter... 55, thanks. (laughs) No, no, not 55. 55. Now we're skipping forward to John 21. Let's, let's skip forward to John chapter 21. So Jesus now goes to the cross. Peter has uh, denied the Lord. And um, as Pete, uh, Jesus raises from the dead, he's seen the disciples. Then he sees the disciples with Thomas. Thomas the doubter says, unless I see the holes in his hands and the hole in his side, I will not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus seeks out Thomas and says, Thomas, Touch my hands, touch my side, you'll see that it's me. And uh, and he had one more relationship to mend, in my opinion, before the Holy Spirit come and before the ministry started in the book of Acts. And uh, now, he's already appeared twice, we come to chapter 21 of the book of John. Remember the book of John, or, or I may have said this, John is the son of Zebedee. Remember when Peter was originally called, John was on the boat. John saw the catch of fish. John was also amazed at this. So this is John firsthand telling this story. And I think it's neat the way the Gospels correspond or correlate or go intertwined. And I think when John probably read the other Gospels, he said, man, you guys missed a key story to the whole thing of Jesus. And uh, so he sums it up here in chapter 21, the last chapter of John, in my opinion. That's a, that's my opinion. That's a Daryl-ology. Verse 20, or chapter 21, verse 1. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples, or afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. By the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Remember what I said. The Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Gennesaret, they were pretty much the same thing, Right? Verse 2, Simon, Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, didymus he's the doubter, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and who? The sons of Zebedee. He doesn't say John and James here like they did in Luke. Why? Because he's the one writing the book. He, doesn't, he usually refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. But the sons of Zebedee means that the writer of the book is there, and two other disciples were together. Peter says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. They caught nothing. What do we have from this story? Number one, we have pretty much the same thing that happened in Luke 5 on Peter's calling. They were at the Sea of Galilee. The brothers, James and John, were there. Peter was there. And then some other disciples were there. And, they caught, at, well, uh, number one, they gave up on the ministry. It doesn't say for sure they gave up on the ministry, but they do not have a plan in action. They weren't sitting there going, hey, you know, um, we should still preach and teach Jesus. We should, we should see if we still got the power of Jesus in us. They were pretty much giving up on the ministry. They were more than likely discouraged. Uh, they had seen Jesus. They hadn't, they hadn't met him in the upper room yet and they weren't preaching, healing, and baptizing. They were saying, let's go fish. Let's go fish. Where are they? They're on the Sea of Galilee. Same little crowd, same thing. And then what happens? It just so happens. (laughs) It just so happens that they caught nothing. We have two stories of Peter fishing and his buddies, and they catch nothing all night long. That sounds like one of my fishing trips. I'm not a professional fisherman. Um, So they catch nothing all night long. And and the best time to fish was at night. So uh, what happens next? Verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? That is a question, by the way. Haven't you any fish? And it's almost an assumption that they don't. No, they answered. He said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Ding, 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 ding. Coincidence? I don't think so, Patty. I was just asking a question. Um, so, <laughs> number one point here. That I want you to see. That is pretty much the driving force of this whole sermon. Jesus came to the disciples. They had let Jesus down. They had scattered. Peter denied him three times. Jesus comes to them. A- and he, they can't go to him because he's res- resurrected from the dead. It says in, in the in. Uh, uh, Jesus showed himself to them. Jesus appeared to them in a, other spots after he had resurrected with the um, thing in mind that he came and disappeared. He came and went. And he would vanish, per se. So, and he would show up in a crowded room with the doors shut so he could show himself to them. And Jesus showed himself here to Peter and James and John and the other disciples. He shows up. And this is a uh, thought that, um, you know, he, he comes to us. The Bible, in my opinion, is a long story of God's pursuit of man. It's a long story of it. He creates Adam. Adam sins. What's Adam do? He hides. What's God do? He finds him. I don't know how you can... You're, you're not going to be able to hide from God and God's looking for you. If you're a skeptic... Don't be scared. That's a good thing. And and I'll get into more of that later. So, Jesus comes to them. The same thing happens with Adam and Eve. Same thing happens with Abraham. Same thing happens with Moses. Same thing happens with um, uh, Samuel, David, the disciples. Jesus uh, called all the disciples. They didn't come to Him. The Bible is a constant story of man letting God down and God still pursuing us. And I hope... You get that. That's my main point of the whole main points. So Jesus is pursuing them and he comes to them and uh, they realize, so deja vu, you know, you have the same exact thing going on here that happened in Luke's calling where, or not Luke's, uh, the book of Luke where Peter was called. So what happens next? Verse 7, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, son of Zebedee said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed them on the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. So... The story was too similar, you know. They realize now it's the Lord. Why did they not recognize the Lord? There's a bunch of reasons why on that. Number one, they were 100 yards away from the beach. Number two, it was real early in the morning. We don't know how much the sun was up. Number three, it was the resurrected Lord. They may not have expected it to be the Lord. And a neat thing here, they didn't realize it was Jesus, but they still threw off where he told them to throw off. I think that's a a cool point. Um, They weren't cleaning their nets or done fishing, but they did listen to the, the gentleman on the beach. Um, it's I, just a moot point I have no point there it's just neat <clears throat> um, so now they realize it's the Lord they come swimming in they bring the fish in Jesus is a campfire going notice there's another campfire scene Jesus has the fish on there again Peter, James, John they do it their way all night long they don't catch anything they do it Jesus' way one time and they catch more than they can even bring in, and they need help. And the first story, I'm pretty sure, and some of them it says it was breaking the nets. Um, but this one, they get all the fish in. There's no sign of broken net, and they don't lose one fish. There's, um, they bring it in, and when they get there, where did Jesus get the fish? I don't know. It's Jesus. Yeah, fish on a fire. Um, I think that's awesome. Jesus, first, he prepares a meal for them. And then, you know, he takes care of their physical and spiritual needs. He takes care of their physical and spiritual needs. They had been hungry. They worked all night long. They didn't catch anything. He fills their boat with fish. He has a warm meal waiting on them. He brings them in. And what do you think he says to them around the campfire? You know, who knows? I would love to have been there and heard that story. But Jesus isn't done working on Peter. Let's skip to verse uh, 15. And now we have... Jesus, getting real specific with Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. You know that I love you. Remember they're at another campfire. Remember what happened last time around a campfire and someone asked him, Hey, don't you know that guy? Aren't you one of them? Mm, nope, I don't know him. I'm not that guy. I'm not a Galilean. Same scene. Jesus sets it up. Now they're around another campfire. He's sitting with the Lord. They've eaten dinner. Jesus just provided for them more than they could stand. Uh, 153 fish. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What are these? I don't know. Yeah, the, the other disciples? Maybe fishing? There's a couple of thought processes there. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the other disciples love me? Do you love me more than you love the other disciples? Do you love me more than these fish? More than fishing? There's uh, three thought processes on that, and I don't know the answer to that. The point is, Jesus is saying, do you love me more than anything else? Do you love me more than anything else? You let me down. I came back after you. I'm sitting in front of you. Do you love me more than these? And Peter says... Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. I just think that's beautiful. <clears throat> Jesus knows all things. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. What are his lambs? He, he's not speaking of the lambs he left behind. Not, not goats and lambs and sheep and people who live on 100 acres in Indiana know what they are. <laughs> but... uh <laughs> So, uh, feed my lambs. He's talking about his, um, his flock, his people. He left behind Jesus. I left this earth. I'm putting you in charge. Feed my lambs. Then we move forward, verse sixteen. And Jesus said, "Simon, son of John, do you love me?" He leaves out than these. Than these is not here. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. Take care of my sheep. This is the people that Jesus has been ministering to for the last three and a half years with Peter. Take care of them. Take care. And also, these are his disciples. I, I believe also Jesus... Remember when when uh, Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked for permission to sift you, but I prayed for you that when you come back, uh, he says... Verse 31 of chapter 22 of Luke. I got it real quick. You don't have to turn there. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. So here in John, he's reiterating that same statement from the book of Luke. Uh, He's saying, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. These could also be considered the disciples and the future church. At this time... Okay, let's go to a third one. Third time, verse 17. The third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep again. Um... Peter had denied the Lord three times in front of a campfire, and he wept bitterly. Jesus comes back to him, and he almost makes him say it. He may have denied Jesus, but Jesus never denied Peter. And Jesus searches Peter out and comes to him, and he essentially makes him say three times. He wanted him to say it out loud, do you love me? And then he, he gives him a mission, you know, take care of my church, take care of my people, take care of my disciples. He searched Peter out and confirmed his love and provided for him. He gave him a mission. The mission was to take care of his flock. Um, the thing is, and I, and I already said this a little bit, but Jesus searched out Peter as he was in the beginning he searched for Peter in the beginning, as he was. Sinner, uh, you know, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy to be around you. He searched him out after he let him down. Peter, I love you. Do you love me? You know that I love you. And and that's, the, that's basically the theme of the whole Bible. Um, I have a um, Dustin Binge, who um, I've heard uh, Keith also quote before. He's a, a theologian. Uh, I, I saw a note from him. He said, I've always loved that even after Peter denied Jesus, Peter was called to feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. Jesus was saying to Peter and us, I know what you're like, and I want you anyway. I know what you're like, and I want you anyway. The theme here, or what I'm hoping to get through to you guys is, if you're a skeptic in the room, Jesus wants you. Jesus wants you to be one of His lambs, one of His sheep. He is calling you to come to Him. A skeptic would be someone who is not sure if God even exists. That would be the definition of a skeptic. If you're a skeptic in the room, Jesus will be searching you out. I've often heard, or uh, I've often thought of in my in my own Christian walk with God, you know, how did I end up here? How did I end up there? What ha- You know, this was a weird situation. But, When I look back today at where I am, and then how I got here, I can realize it was God the whole time pushing me this direction, pushing me that direction, pulling me that direction. I may not have seen it when I was there, but today I can see obvious signs of things that happened to me in my life that were pushing me to God. And if you're a skeptic in the room and you find it odd that you're sitting in church and you don't know for sure about Jesus, I'm telling you, Jesus is pursuing you. That's why you're here. Jesus had you in mind. Jesus wants you to be one of his children. And that's what I get from Peter. If you have been saved a hundred years, and you feel like you're doing everything right, Jesus is still pursuing you too. Jesus wants you as well. Um, and, And you may mess up. You may mess up. And that's where this story is so strong to me, because... I'm not a skeptic. I'm not a new Christian. But I know that if I mess up, I know that if I fail, Jesus is still pursuing me as well. Jesus still wants to mend that relationship. And Jesus will work through your mess-ups. The reason I think this story of Peter denying Jesus is in all four Gospels. This is Daryl thought process. This is not biblical truth. Uh, too, too much, but a little bit of biblical truth. The reason it's in all four, in my opinion, is because we are saved by the word of our testimony, and this was Peter's testimony. I disown the Lord. And he did one of the best sermons of all times on the day of Pentecost, and a bunch of people were saved, and that was the kickoff of the early church. What do you think that was founded on? That was more than likely founded, I mean, it was founded on Jesus, but this section where Jesus came to him and made him confirm that I love you three times... Proving that Jesus loved Peter and Peter loved Jesus and also that Jesus had forgiven Peter for his sins or for his denial. As the band comes up, I want to challenge you all with the new year approaching to look. Look for Jesus. He's looking for you. If you don't think Jesus is looking for you, you're just not paying attention. Jesus has you on his radar And he will not let you off his radar. And Jesus will keep pursuing you, knocking on that door and beating on your heart until you die. We are going to uh, sing a couple songs. And um, during the first song, we, we do communion here every week. We have stations set up. So uh, you can, there's stations in the back, stations in the front. You can come up and, and take communion. We, we would like for you to do it as a family in an intimate type setting. Um, so if you want to sit down on the side, if you want to take it and sit in your seat, if you want to go to the back of the room and pray together, hug on each other, that's fine. Um, but this is the Lord's communion to remind us of Jesus' broken body and His blood that was shed for us as a sacrifice for His love for us. Um, which is the beauty of the Christmas story. If any of you have, are a skeptic and you feel like the Lord is tugging on your heart or wanting you to take the next step in your relationship with God, we would love to pray with you. Um, pray to Jesus. Talk to Him. He's your dad. He'll take you just as you are. You don't have to go get cleaned up. You don't even have to take a shower first. Follow Jesus. He loves you. If you feel like you've let the Lord down... I promise you, you are not holding him up. I promise you, you're not holding the Lord up. You never let him down. He loves you. Regardless of where you are, regardless of what you've done, Jesus loves you. You always have a chance to come back and, and walk with him. Uh, there's going to be a second song. We pass the offering plate. Uh, Give as the Lord has laid on your heart. Thank you guys. Love you guys. I pray for you guys. I'm an elder for like three more days. Not that anybody's counting. Um, I will not be going anywhere. I'll still be present. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your pursuit of us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just uh, be with us and bless us. Be with our church. Be with Keith and Karen. Get them home safe. and. Uh, We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.